Life Uncut podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This episode is recorded on Gadigal land of the Aurora Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Life Uncut. I'm Laura. I'm Brittany. And this is our Thursday episode, our down and dirty little number, where we answer all your deep, your dark and your burning questions. Now, Laura, you've been wanting to uh, try something else, something you read? Meditation. <laughs> to relax. Try to orgasm. To relax touch- my body. <laughs> You're like, how can I come without touching myself? Is my this- mind and my <laughs> spirit. No, I haven't been trying to try something out, but it's something. But you're gonna. I, I will. I absolutely will because you all know how fucking lazy I am. So if I can orgasm with just my mind, that sounds like a great time. So start at the start. What are we? Because <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much came in hot and been like, I'm going to come without doing anything. Okay, I found this article. It was in the deep, dark corners of the web. It's a Vice article that's written by a woman named Gina Tonic. And it says, I tried to orgasm using only my mind. So apparently there are these different techniques that you can use, which are like erotic hypnosis and orgasmic breathing techniques, which mean that you can just lay on your bed in a meditative state. Oh, I do think, not believe Think it. erotic thoughts, think about being touched and your body will have an orgasm for you without having to do anything. Well, I mean, I guess is that the idea behind a wet dream, right? You go to sleep at night, you dream something, you don't necessarily have to touch yourself, but people can orgasm in their sleep, right? Well, I mean, you know. I mean, I, I can, haven't. Okay, I, uh, yes, this is a fact because I can orgasm in my sleep. Not like whenever I want to. I don't go to bed and go, oh, tonight's <laughs> the do, night. But do you wake up like touching yourself? Or no. Is, no you, so it's just in your dream. I've told you this before. Yeah, but you, I'm just trying to get the details. I don't know if we went into detail. Okay, no, you just wake up mid-orgasm and you're like, oh, now that was good. And then you go back to sleep, but you're not touching yourself. It well, just it happens. Is a thing, then. I'm like a 14-year-old boy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a thing. So what does one have to do and can anyone do it? Okay, no, so I put it out to the Mind Trust. I put it out to you guys. I asked the question on our socials. Has anybody orgasm just from thinking about an orgasm? So, so many people wrote in saying that they've had like, you know, your stereotypical orgasm in your sleep. That's stereotypical. Bo- it is not stereotypical. Some of us cannot do that. That's boring news. But what we wanted to know is who has had an orgasm just from thinking. There was one girl who had an orgasm in a sauna. She didn't go into detail. She just said she was sitting in a well, sauna. Was she alone? <laughs> I think she was All alone. What happens in the old sauna? I think she was alone and it was warm and she was thinking nice thoughts. Well, it was warm. It was moist. It was a great environment. Why do we hate the word moist I so much? I hate it. Moist. It was moist. It was yeah, wet. but like people have an aversion to the word moist. I think it's like one of those things that people tell you that you're supposed to hate. So then when someone says it, you're like, oh, moist. Uh, like, like a moist cookie. It's not cookie. the best word. It's not the best word. I don't know why. A moist cake. Okay. So she came in the sauna just by thinking. There is another girl who had an orgasm on a bus in Vietnam. <laughs> very specific. Uh, while she was thinking about her crush. And they were going over bumps. So I feel like there was a little bit of stimulation. It's the turbulence. There was the, the bumpy road turbulence. But also she wasn't touching herself. She was just thinking about her crush and then she had an orgasm. Well, that's also 
Okay, so here's the thing, right? That's not like you're just laying in bed thinking. That's still a vibration. She's masturbating. It's not intentional, but the vibration of the bumps is what's doing it, right? Okay, also this person, I mean, yeah, look, this is also, she's not touching herself, but she's using an apparatus. She <laughs> an said, apparatus? She said that she was having some, uh, some good thoughts and then she was doing a foam roll and she had an orgasm. So a foam I, roller? She, like uh, on yeah, the hips and stuff? Or she, well, it doesn't say, I don't think she foam rolled her clitoris, but she was just, she was just foam rolling and then she had an orgasm. I'm so jealous of these people. One person watched porn, didn't touch themselves, just came from watching porn. Okay. But the, here's my thing, right? This is all incredible and I'm very jealous, (laughs) but this isn't the laying in bed, meditating, thinking of an orgasm. Like this is people still using external apparatuses. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But if you're just laying on your bed, watching porn and you have an orgasm, that's touching. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's incredible. You're a superhuman. That is like, yeah, you're doing God's work. (laughs) (laughs) Peeling this back to basics. We have been told by professionals that not all women can orgasm. There are some women in the world that can't orgasm. So I think it's pretty wild to think that anyone can go and lay down and meditate and orgasm. Like surely you've got to be one of those people that orgasm very freely. There are, I'm not exaggerating this. There are hundreds of people who have written back saying that they do orgasm in their sleep. And then we've got another person who had an orgasm. They were very much awake and they imagined having sex with their PA. Well, the PA was in the room? No. She didn't have an orgasm in front of her PA. She just <laughs> well, had an, You can't control it. She had a fantasy about her PA oh. and it made her have an orgasm. Wow. So are these people trying to do it or is it just happening? Are they consciously laying down thinking I'm going to meditate to orgasm? Or is it like this one sounds like she just slipped on into it accidentally? I don't think you can. I mean, can you ever go into something? Like even going into sex being like, I'm going to have an orgasm usually makes the orgasm feel a lot further away. So I feel like if you're laying down just to have a rest and you think I'm going to orgasm, it probably isn't going to come. I feel like it just is something that, you know, washes over you. Do they tell you what you have to do to do it? Are there some rules and stipulations? Okay. So I did do a little bit of a deep dive into this and apparently it's all about using your mind, obviously. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. It is rooted, (laughs) mind the pun, in thousands of years of Taoistic and Tantric practices and it is very popular this is what it says. It's a very popular exercise among plenty of fetish communities using non-physical stimulation like breathing exercises, hypnosis, and meditation. So the writer of this article, Gina Tonic, she actually, to try and get the end goal of having an orgasm, she didn't just lay down and then use her erotic thoughts. <laughs> there was four different steps and she kind of went through this like four day phase. So on day one, she did erotic hypnosis, mm-hmm. which she went to a licensed hypnotist to go and do that part of it. So that's obviously something you can just learn. Well, I don't know, but I don't think that that actually gave her an orgasm. I think it was just to try and like unlock her sexual needs and desires. Yeah. Now the second part of this was orgasmic breathing. So apparently if you concentrate on your breathing, not that that's going to get you to an orgasm, but concentrating on your breathing apparently unlocks a deeper, bigger, more exciting orgasm than shallow breathing. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to be said for breathing. People do whole breathing courses. So breath work. Yeah, breath work. Didn't get her to O-Town, but, you know, apparently it helps. Okay. (laughs) Okay, number three is a thing called corgasm. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a combination of doing core exercises and pelvic floor exercises. Yeah, it sounds like a fitness workout. (laughs) Yeah, but apparently 
doing these specific corgasm type exercises can bring on an orgasm of itself. So you're actually, instead of like stimulating yourself with your hands, you're kind of internally stimulating yourself. So like pelvic floor exercises. Like do it now. Do a bit of a pelvic. I can feel it. It's a bit arousing. Yeah, actually you can. Yeah, do a few more. I am. Wear some tight (laughs) jeans and do it. (laughs) Okay, and then number four was another thing called lucid dreaming, which I think very much links into this idea, which is what so many of you wrote in saying, is that you'll have an orgasm when you're dreaming. So lucid dreaming is that space when I think you would think that you're asleep, but you're not quite asleep and you're not quite awake, but you have... Yeah, you're aware that you're dreaming. That really... And and like you have those really weird rapid thoughts and it will take you like, you know, you'll be doing some crazy shit and it kind of feels like you're in a dream. But that apparently is a really remarkable space to have orgasms in. It's like the only lucid dream... Because I feel like I've had them before, but the only ones I've had, because it's when you know you're in the dream, but you can't get out of it and you can manipulate it. I've had it before where I'm, it's like a scary dream, you know, like a murder dream and someone's chasing me and I know it's happening. Like I'm telling myself, this is a dream. Don't be scared but I still can't get out of it and I still have to manipulate the dream. Like I know where I have to go to hide to get away. Have you ever had those? Okay, well, but no, but next time you can manipulate the dream so you can run away, hide and masturbate and maybe you will have an (laughs) orgasm without having to touch yourself. Well, maybe I'll try and, yeah, divert it from a scary dream to a sex dream next time I have a lucid dream. I mean, in theory... It would be very nice to be able to just lay there and get yourself to O-Town. But then do you think you'd get lazier? Yes. But also, I mean, how lazy is it to just whip out a vibrator and use that instead? I feel like that is lazier. It's a faster way to get yourself to where you want to be rather than laying down doing corgasms and breath work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then would you? do you think if you could just lay down and come without doing anything that like you wouldn't put the effort in with your partners anymore and like... Hey, honey, I'm just going to go for a lay down. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we all need to go and sign up for this four-day course. I want to know, though, if anybody else has just – and I, I know that the dreaming thing is a big thing. I'm, so, like, if you've had an orgasm dreaming, like, you know, good for you, good for me. We've all done it. Actually, we haven't all done it, but a lot of us have done it. But if you have managed to get yourself to being able to have an orgasm just from, like, you know, the use of your own erotic thoughts, I want to hear more about this because this, to me, is absolutely fucking wild. Yeah. Slide into the DMs. Give us a little bit of a rundown on how you get there, on what you do how you get yourself in the mood is this like a whole self-love thing is where it's something you had to learn and train and study i want to know it all and where send the links to where you, <laughs> where you trained to at. the four-day course <laughs> Brittany wants to sign up all right let's get into answering your deep your dark and your burning questions so I met this guy at a bar a few weeks ago and we went home together later that night after stalking him on socials I figured out that he has a fiance and a baby oh like gets really weird. I confronted him about it and he says that they were engaged, but he decided to call it off and just be friends just before the baby was born. However, they haven't told anyone this as her family <laughs> is super religious and they are trying to navigate the situation together. They still live together. I told him I can't continue to see him unless he can prove to me that he isn't in a relationship or unless he tells her about me. He said he doesn't really know how he would be able to prove it and isn't ready to tell her unless he knows if we are going somewhere. I really like this guy. The sex was amazing and there is definitely something there between us. But my gut says that maybe he's lying. Should I cut it off now before I get any more invested? Oh, I th- I'm straight out of the gate when I, I think say cut I think it he's off. telling the truth. I think he's being a really nice, no, upstanding guy. Not. I think you should give him the benefit of the doubt. And He's you know, not telling the truth. He lives with his partner. They are having a baby. He's cheating on his partner. This is what every partner of my gut instinct tells me in this situation 
I think every part of you wants to believe him for sure because you obviously had an attraction to him and there was maybe a crush there or there were some sort of feelings there. So you always want to see the best in people. But every single flag here is pointing to red. I just think when you were writing this out, were you just like, oh, yeah. He's definitely fucking lying to me. Like, I feel like as soon as you write this question out and you can see it for point blank for what it is, my thing is he says, oh, there's no way for me to prove it that we've broken up. If he really wanted to prove it, there would be a way for him to prove it. There would be text messages between him and his partner being like, you know, we've broken up, whatever. Like, it's not like you walk in one day and say, hey, honey, uh, I think we should separate and still live together and raise this baby together and pretend to everybody else that we're still together and never text about it. There are ways for him to prove it to you if he could prove it. The reason why he says he doesn't know how he could prove it and he wants to keep you a secret is because he is fucking lying. Yeah, he's got a whole other life. (laughs) And he has a whole other life. And also, I mean, it just sounds like to me, even if he isn't lying, even if let's just say for some amazing, remarkable reason that he is telling the truth. Benefit of the doubt. This is so much baggage. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be in a relationship with someone where they're going to keep you a lie? And someone that has what I'm assuming is quite a new baby, a newborn baby. I don't know, but he's got a baby with somebody recently that he still lives with. I'm not sure if it's the relationship you want to be jumping into. No. Should you cut it off with him now before you get more invested? The answer to this, and I think this is the most black and white question we've ever received, (laughs) is absolutely yes. And do I think he's lying to you? Yes. You said, my gut tells me he's lying. I think that this is such an important thing because sometimes we want to disbelieve our intuition. We try so hard to ignore what our intuition is telling us because we want something so much. We want the reality to be different. And so we just kind of will ignore what our gut's telling us because the fantasy of what we want is so much greater. And I think in this instance, your warning, internal warning systems are saying like, this is a fucking bad idea but you're trying to ignore it because you want him. Always go with your gut instinct. Trust your gut instinct. That's what we're going to drive home here. This is alarm bells all over. From the second, the first word I read, which was I, (laughs) to the end was invested. The whole thing is a giant alarm. All right. Save your soul, save your heart, save your emotions, and just don't even go any deeper. Question number two. I'm getting married next year, and I don't know if I want my dad to walk me down the aisle. One, I don't feel totally comfortable with the concept of the father giving the bride away. I feel like it's a little bit outdated and low-key gives me the ick. Number two, my dad and I have a good relationship, but we aren't super close. What are your thoughts on the bride walking down the aisle solo and how I should approach this conversation with my dad? Oh, I mean, I guess this is one I haven't overly thought of before because I haven't been in the position where, you know, I'm getting married and thinking about it and haven't had the conversation with my dad. My first thought before we throw to you, Laura, is that at this day and age, I think you can do anything you want to do at a wedding, whatever you're comfortable with. I think some a lot of people think it's really nice to have this tradition and I think there's no wrong and right with a wedding anymore. I think you do whatever you're comfortable with. In Maybe you want to include your dad in a different way in the ceremony. If you don't feel comfortable with him physically walking you down and giving you away, there are so many other ways that you can include someone in a ceremony. But first and foremost, you have to be comfortable on your day. Totally. And I think like just on what you said, Britt, like this idea of it can be a really beautiful thing. I think it's only a really beautiful thing if the relationship you have with your dad is a really beautiful thing. If like Mm. it's a a special moment to you because it signifies something that's important to you, you know, Uh, I think that then it's a really beautiful thing. For me, I found this really tricky because my parents got divorced when I was really little. They got divorced when I was three and my dad was an army major. 
I mean, we had a good relationship, but he wasn't around a lot. Like he spent a lot of time away. He moved to Townsville, so he wasn't even in the same state as me. So we had a pretty disjointed connection for a lot of years. And so it didn't feel right to me to just have my dad walk me down the aisle and not my mom. So I had my dad and my mom walk me down the aisle. Mm. I now have a, I have a great relationship with both of them, but trying to preference one of them having divorced parents seemed like a really cruel thing to do. So I wasn't going to kind of lean into that just because that's what tradition said. No, you had the kids, you had the dog, you had your mom, you had your dad, like yeah. you had whatever made you feel comfortable. Yeah, my dog walked me down the aisle, but also like in the opposite to that, when my sister got married, she had me and my brother walk her down the aisle. She didn't have either of my parents walk her down the aisle because for her, she was like, look, you know, it means something different to me and I I want my siblings to be there because they've been my support as well through my whole life. I do think that, yeah, maybe your dad may take it to some offense. He may be upset by it. But I think having a conversation with him around, you don't have to make it a big, big deal, but just saying, oh, dad, we aren't doing things really traditionally. I'm not actually going to have anyone walk me down the aisle. You know, we kind of aren't having a super traditional wedding and just managing his expectations a little bit can go a really long way as opposed to saying like, oh, dad, I don't want you to walk me down the aisle because I think that feels very pointed. That might turn it into something that you don't want it to be. But yeah, I do ultimately think that weddings are at one situation in life where You have to kind of like juggle, right? Is this going to bring more drama to my life than it's worth? And if the answer is no, and it means you're going to have the wedding that you want, then whatever it is that you want is how the day is going to be. And there is no tradition that you have to lean into if you don't want to. Absolutely agree. Okay, question number three, Brittany. Okay, question number three. I'm just going to hitchhike on the back of your wedding question with another wedding question. Because it's wedding season. It is summer. I How mean, long does wedding season go for? Well, I think probably like six months. I feel, no, I <laughs> I feel, like, wedding, I feel like wedding season is all year round because some people have summer weddings and some people have winter weddings. It's just always a wedding season. It's also like a backlog of COVID weddings now. So it's forever. Okay. I am getting married next year in Fiji and my fiance and I have invited our closest friends and family to come and celebrate our day with us. I have a group of girls I see on the odd occasion, four of which I am personally close with and have invited to my wedding. The other girls are more friends of friends who I don't really have a lot to do with. The group of girlfriends who are invited were organizing accommodation for themselves when another girl in the group who I don't really know or particularly like invited herself on the holiday. Now, I know it's a public place, but it just makes me uncomfortable as I am in Fiji to celebrate my wedding with my friends and family and she's not somebody who I would want around my new in-laws as she can be a bit of a troublemaker and I don't agree with her morals. Am I in my right to politely ask that she does not come or is she entitled to come if she pleases? I just find it weird and awkward. It is awkward. I did this to my friend. Did you? I'm a fucking bad friend. I was so young and I didn't understand the etiquette of weddings. Like I really didn't. My girlfriend got married in the Philippines. I was in my 20s. I was supposed to be going with my boyfriend at the time and then we we broke up. So I was like, I'll just bring by my friend. I'll just, my friend can come with me. And she was oh. so, I know, I now know oh, how bad it you're was. You're just like, I'll just replace him with someone else that you don't know. So I was like, look, I'll bring my friend. She'll just stay with me. Cause I had, we were only going to the wedding for a little while for a couple of days. And then my girlfriend Galena was going off and she was having her own holiday in the Philippines. And so were we. So I and we wasn't together. It was just a couple of days over the wedding that was together. And I was like, well, he's not going to come with me now. I'm not going to cancel the whole trip. I've booked all this accommodation. So why doesn't my girlfriend just come? I was like, she doesn't have to come to the wedding, but why doesn't she just come with me? 
And then Galena, because she's an absolute angel superstar, she was like, just bring her to the wedding. It's fine. Like, bring your friend. Mm. And now I understand as someone who's now gotten married but myself. That's so cooked. <laughs> how presumptuous to just invite anyone. Oh, Keisha's here saying it's fine. No, because you think what? it's fine to bring a random to someone else's wedding that they don't know? What else are you supposed to do? Travel around by yourself in the Philippines for two weeks? Okay, I think in my instance, she was very understanding of my situation, right? Like she didn't have to invite Kaya, my girlfriend. She didn't have to invite her to the wedding. That wasn't my expectation. However, it would have been weird to exclude her because all the wedding people were staying at the same accommodation. So it was a weird Default invite. Yeah, it was like a lose-lose situation for her. I just think if it's not your wedding – it's rude to assume that you should just invite extra people. However, I guess the, the thing that is a big thing is when you're having a destination wedding, when it's a, you're going overseas, destination weddings end up becoming holidays as well. So for me, yeah, I went to a destination wedding in the Philippines, but that was also my holiday for the year that I took in the Philippines for two weeks. So the wedding is only a couple of days of what was my also two-week holidays. So I think you have to kind of be a little bit flexible when you've got every single person traveling to be at your wedding. I, to a different country. To a yes, different country. I, I'm on the fence with this one. Not on the fence. I understand what you're saying and I agree with it, right? If it's a destination wedding specifically, you are going to another place to travel. People probably would make it their one holiday of the year. So yes, you do want to make it a holiday. Maybe you do want to travel with friends after, but it's a tricky situation because of what you just said, Laura. If you can't really just say my friend will come, but she'll just stay in the room and won't do anything because that's not how it works, right? There's always these big get-togethers for the weddings for usually days before, days after, especially if it's a destination wedding. So it can get a little bit tricky. I think the best bet, if possible, is to still do the two. Fly over for the wedding and then maybe ask your friend to come and meet you mm. on the day after the wedding so that you know you can focus on your friends and the family and you're a part of that. And then your friend can come over the next day and you can continue on your holiday. I think that would probably be the best way to navigate it if possible. But I understand that you still need to like live out your life and go on your holiday. And it's, it's a very, very tricky one. But I don't think you can expect to have a random at someone else's wedding. No, you absolutely can't. And I think we're answering this question around the wrong way though because the person who wrote this in is the bride. Yes. And she's saying, I don't want a random to be at my yeah, wedding. Yeah, we're coming full circle. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess what I want to say to you as the bride who has had a destination wedding and your friend has invited her friend to also come on what will be her holiday, what I think you can do is I don't think you can say, oh, I don't want you to invite your friend at all to the destination because like, you know, you don't own Fiji. Fiji is not yours. Believe it or not, Fiji is not your island. Yeah, her friend can come to Fiji, right? But you do not have an obligation to invite that friend to any of the wedding things. So if the wedding goes for three days and there's a lunch and a dinner and a get-together, whatever it looks like, you don't have an obligation to invite the person that you don't want there. And if they feel left out, well, that's really on them because they've come away on a holiday where the person that they've chosen to come away with is at a wedding. So I think... You can be as inclusive or as non-inclusive as you want to be. And in my instance, Galena, my girlfriend, she was incredibly inclusive of my friend, but I now understand what a massive offering that is to have someone who you don't know at your wedding. It's, yeah, it's looking wild. back now after you've had your wedding. Wild, yeah. wild. I would probably not be as good a person. <laughs> I actually remember, I mean, different, but I remember, oh God, it must have been... I'm pretty old. Must have been 10, 12. I'm pretty old. <laughs> Must have been 10 years ago at least. One of my friends got married 
and I was dating someone at the time, but it was pretty new. And I was a part of the bridal party and I had said, hey, do you mind if they come? Like, you know, we're dating. And she was really honest. She was like, well, yeah, actually, like, I don't want them to come. She said, not in a bad way, but she was like, I don't really know them. And, you know, I don't might not know what's going to happen with you guys in the future. And, you know, like we've sort of already got the tables settings and all this kind of stuff. And I was I was like, yeah, cool, totally fine. Like I, I hadn't even mentioned it to the person I was dating. I just thought I would ask. But there was a part of me that was like, oh, I thought you probably would have let him. Like there's a little part that was like, oh, I thought, you know, if it was my partner, you would have let him. But I completely understood it. Like when I went home and thought about it and I understand it way more now, like you just said, when you're older and you look back, you're like, oh, it was wildly inappropriate. I should never have even asked. How long were you with the guy? Because I think that this is a real point of contention for a lot of people. I think a lot of people get into new relationships and then they think that because they're in a new relationship that their partner, even if the bride and groom has never met them, should be an eligible plus one. We had the rule at our wedding that unless your plus one is some, like, if you, we haven't met your plus one, then they're not coming unless you've been dating them for more than a year. She had met him like once, but it was a new relationship, pretty new, a couple of months. And also she'd known me for a long time. I think she was looking at this for what it was. She knew what it was. She <laughs> knew it was a rebound. She knew that it was not going anywhere. Like she wouldn't tell me that, but she was wise beyond her years. She 100% could see what I was doing, but I couldn't see what I was doing. Did you, I think you asked me for a plus one as a joke to my wedding. Yeah, Lucky, it would have been a joke because I'm never going to have one. Lucky you didn't bring a plus one because didn't you have a great night? I was Actually, like, hey, not at all, really. can, I, can I have a plus one? But it was more, that was a bit like tongue presumptuous. Tongue in cheek. I was never going to get a plus one. <laughs> all right, let's go one more question. Question number, I think it's four, but who's counting? Okay. I have two guys on my radar. One I met online a while ago. We clicked crazy chemistry then he went traveling for a few months and we kept in contact regularly, calling, etc. I was looking forward to when he came back in two weeks and we were intending on giving it a bit of a shot. However, in the meantime, my longtime friend from high school, who we've been back and forth liking each other, expressed he has strong feelings for me. Initially, I was thinking no, but now I have strong feelings for him also but I still have strong feelings for the other guy. I've been indecisive for ages and have no idea how to decide what is the right thing to do. Do I not date anyone because I can't give them my full attention or do I just simply flip a coin? So scared that I'm going to make the wrong decision. Is there any advice you have here? Oh, this is hard. Do you know, I feel like so many people have been in this situation where they have really, because like, you know, I know some people say, oh, it's not possible to be in love with two people at the same time. It It is is very, very possible to be in a lot of lust with two people at the same time. I actually think it's probably possible to be in love with two people as well. I think you can be in love with two people, different kinds of love, but I think you can. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think that love is way more complex and conflicting than what we like to. We like to package things up into perfect little boxes, black and white, and we know that life is not like that. I have been in a situation similar to this before many, 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 many moons ago. I have spoken about this on the podcast many, many, many moons ago, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether I could go back to someone that I had had something with before that I had very strong feelings for or to go down the path of someone new that I had met that I didn't know that well. Did you toss a coin and call heads? No, I went to a psychic. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) Fuck, that is so funny. Okay, I remember being so confused because I was like, I have all these feelings for this person that I was with and I did have this relationship with strong feelings and I had a, a something comfortable with them you know yeah and then I had this new person who I had so many feelings for and I was so excited to see what happened but I was like if I go one way am I going to lose the opportunity could be better but if I go that way do I lose the opportunity of something that was amazing that I know was already great 
I had never been so confused in my life. So I went to a psychic and I didn't say exactly. I just said, look, I'm a bit confused with wanting to go forward or back. And can I tell you what she said? It was wild. She literally said, she put me into this meditative state, right? She's did like, you orgasm? No, I didn't. I wish I did. <laughs> she was like, close your eyes. And I closed my eyes. And she said, I'm going to do it to you, right? Okay. Close your eyes. Yeah, close. Everyone do it with me. Close your you're, eyes. You're on the beach. You can hear the water lapping on the sand. The sun's shining. The birds are out. It's a beautiful day. You feel really good. Mm-hmm. You look out to sea and there's a beautiful boat. And on that boat are two men. Oh, I know where this is going. The two men that you love. Oh, no, there's a hole in the boat. The boat's sinking. Who do you say? This is the dumbest question. It was so – I started bursting to laugh. How much money do you pay for this psychic reading? Too much money. (laughs) But that was literally – and I was like, okay, I'm calling bullshit. You are not a psychic. That was the dumbest way to decide. And I said – I opened my eyes and I was like, are you kidding? I'd save both of them. She's like, no, you can only save one. I said, no, I would save them both. I think that this is so common. I think – one, I think the situation you're in is so common, but I also think people wanting an answer. Like you're writing into us because you're wanting us to say, hey, go with this guy or <laughs> go with this can't. guy. And I've been in the exact same situation as you, Britt. Like I had a guy that I had been seeing for a really long time. It was stable. He was great. Like I know I should have really liked him. And then I also was in love with this other guy. And I went to a psychic because I wanted them to give me the answer and they gave me absolutely nothing. So and what did they do? Did they do what I had mine did? Oh, n- no, I ended up picking definitely the wrong one. So probably <laughs> don't. They're probably both the wrong one. <laughs> they were the wrong one. And that's the thing. Look, the reality is in life is that if you pick one guy and the other one falls through, I very much doubt <laughs> in like five or six years time, you're going to be thinking, God, I picked the wrong option. You know, like you're going to pick the option that is the right option for you with all the tools that you have at the time. You're going to pick the person that your heart wants. And you know what? It might not be the one that's the best for you on paper. It may not be the one that works out to be the best for you in the long run. But if it's not the one that's the best for you, they're the simply not the one. And you can't beat yourself up about it. I think the big thing in this is you don't have to instantly be committed to anybody. It's okay to keep your options open for a little while and to be transparent and say like, I really like you, but I just want to date for a little while. Go on a couple of dates with this guy when he comes back. Go on a few dates with your friend and see if the chemistry's there. But I think be transparent in that conversation. And you know what? You might be in even more pickle in three or four weeks time where you're like, oh, fuck now, I really, really like both of them. But it might also give you a bit more information on each person to try and figure out what you really want, you know, and figure out whether not just what you want and not what chemistry is telling you what you want, but, you know, what are the things that they're saying that they want in their life? Are they after a long-term relationship? Do the things that you like actually match up? And you can make a decision that's not just based on like this pure want for someone, but it's also based on on what is a good relationship decision too. The other thing you can do is, and I'm not saying it's the best thing, I'm not saying it's the worst thing, but you can write down a list of pros and cons. And I don't mean pros and cons as in one's tall, dark and handsome, one's blonde. I don't mean that. I mean, what do you both want? What do you want? Do you Are you looking for a long-term relationship? Are they both looking for long-term relationships? If that's the case, do you look ahead and you say, do they want kids? Are we going to live in the same place? Do we want the same things? You can write down parts of the situation to help you if you need to. But there is a thought, the thought that I'm sort of having here is, and I, I looking back, I wish I had this thought to myself too. 
if you're that confused between two people, should you be picking someone now? Because it does mean you have feelings for someone else. I don't know if jumping into a relationship with one is the best idea when you know you have strong feelings for another person. Well, that's what I mean by taking some time, taking a bit of a step back from the relationships completely, like, you know, whatever they are, just take a little bit of a step back, date casually without there being any like, you know, the love bombing or the overcommitment or any of that stuff that kind of can happen really quickly when you're excited about someone. Because I think you need to get to know them both a little bit better. Maybe not your friend, you obviously know him, but I think you kind of need to have the opportunity of dating a little bit before you make a decision. Because ultimately, if you're so confused between two people, the answer could be that it's no one as well. You know, it doesn't have to be that you're you're not tossing up right now and being like, who am I choosing as my life partner? That doesn't have to be the question that you're asking. You're just saying like, who is the person that I want to date? And you can kind of get to know both of them at the same time. At the end of the day, this is the sort of thing where no one, including us, can give you an answer. No one can know exactly how you feel, your situation, what they're like to you, what you want. This is all you. It's not a running race, right? There's no, you've got to get to the finish line and make a decision by this point. Take a step back and just really evaluate it from the outside. Have a think about what you want and go from there. It's it's a tricky one. Yeah, and I okay, the only thing I want to add to this is that, and this is from my own experience, it may be very different for you. You may have like these two guys may both be just like truly awesome people who are like trustworthy and fantastic and are being consistent and wonderful and like wouldn't that be amazing to find two of them because most people can't find one. <laughs> but what I have found in my experience is that Normally there's one that the heart really wants and there's one that the heart finds safe. That's the toss up. There's the unpredictable one and there's the one that would be comfortable and a reassuring love. And that's why I think what you said, Britt, around like almost creating a list, which sounds so unromantic, but like if the unpredictable love is actually truly unpredictable, if it's unpredictable because you know, there's inconsistencies in the things that they say and do and how they behave. And actually you're just being attracted to maybe there's some toxicity there. I think writing it down can make things seem really clear and you can kind of get an idea as to whether you're just attracted to the chemistry or you're attracted to the qualities that that person has. I think that's a really important thing. So kind of like, you know, psychoanalyze both of them to try and find an answer in this as well and not just be led by this like, chemistry gut I'm in love I can't make a decision (laughs) I do not want to be where you are right now but you know what it'll all work out because however it works out is exactly how it's meant to be guys we would love to hear your ask on cut aftermaths whatever happened to a question that you wrote in or a friend wrote in was there an outcome we want to know because sometimes it keeps us up at night not knowing what happens a lot of the listeners writing they want to know your answers as well so if we've ever answered a question or we've had your question on here and there has been an outcome, please send that into the podcast along with your accident and filters, your other Ask Uncut questions, anything you want to say, send it to the DMs. And you guys know the drill. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your dog, tell your friends and share the love because we love love.